Attention men, are you wanting to break free from porn or other unwanted sexual behaviors, but finding it seemingly impossible to quit? If so, we can help. My name is Jonathan Darty, the founder of Gateway to Freedom. This three-day workshop is for any man who wants to overcome any kind of unwanted sexual behavior. So whether you're married, single, or divorced, this powerful and proven intensive weekend will help you uncover what is at the root of your struggle and discover the man God always created you to be. Space is limited, so call us today at 210-822-8201 to register. That's 210-822-8201 or visit bebroken.org slash gtf. Good day, listeners. Jonathan Darty here with another edition of the Pure Sex Radio program. Pure Sex Radio is produced by Be Broken Ministries. Be Broken's mission is to help men, women, and families move from sexual brokenness to wholeness in Christ and equip others to do the same. Our guest today is Sathya Sam. He's the creator of Deep Clean, a systematic process for overcoming pornography, and the author of a new book entitled The Last Relapse, Realize Your Potential, Reclaim Intimacy, and Resolve the Root Issues of Porn Addiction. In this episode, we unpack the four key sections of the book, which are taking back control of your life, healing from your past, regaining your confidence, and becoming a new man. There is good news in this episode. Freedom from porn is possible. And I'm confident that this conversation will give you hope and practical ideas for next steps towards greater integrity. To learn more about Sathya and his resources, visit ultimaterecoveryguide.com. For more resources, visit BeBroken.com or check out links in today's show notes. And please rate and review the podcast after listening to help others find it. Now, let's dive into today's conversation. Well, Sathya Sam, welcome back to the program. Thanks for having me, Jonathan. It's great to be here again. It is good to have you back, and I'm glad we got you back uh, when we did. You know, the the last time you were on uh, was last summer. And um, we had you come on to talk about, you know, helping guys get off porn and especially talking about what does it mean for guys to be emotionally fit. Um, But I was excited to have you back because you have written a book and it's entitled The Last Relapse with a subtitle of Realize Your Potential, Reclaim Intimacy and Resolve the Root Issues of Porn Addiction. And so I am super excited to introduce our audience to this resource that you've written um, and maybe dig into some of the concepts that you're actually uh, fleshing out in this book. In fact, one of them was that aspect of emotional fitness, and I really love yes. that. Um, but why don't you share with us just a little bit of the journey of getting to this place of writing this book and and why you wrote this book? Yeah, well, a little bit of background for your listeners who maybe don't remember me. It's been a while or, or didn't get a chance to listen to that first interview. I struggled with porn for about 15 years. And The last five years of my struggle was when I was actually earnestly pursuing freedom. And there were not a lot of resources out there, Jonathan. I, very sadly, I did not encounter Pure Sex Radio. You guys were around then, um, but I, it was, it was hard to get your hands on some of these, these kinds of um, resources out there. And today's a different story. There's podcasts, there's blogs and all that kind of stuff. But I had purpose in my heart, even when I was struggling, that one day I'll get free and then I will do everything in my power to help other people get free too. And I knew that part of that mandate would be giving resources that are just easily accessible. So I wrote an ebook that I've been giving away for free for the last year or so. That's called The Ultimate Guide to Porn Recovery. 
we have a weekday podcast. Um, and, and the book was really in that same line. It was just meant to get, get the information, get the tools, the concepts and everything into the hands of as many people as possible without too many barriers to entry. And um, that was really the heart of the book. We're just trying to resource people. We've taken all of our best principles, our best teachings and our best tools uh, that seem to be really effective in our coaching programs and we put them into the book so that people can get their hands on them without having to pay the price of you know doing a coaching program or that kind of thing. That's great. So this idea of the last relapse, can you tell us about the title? You know, yeah. how did you come up with that title even? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I guess I was kind of imagining somebody who's struggling with porn addiction, um, just thinking about all the shame that comes with it. Maybe they're not ready to talk to somebody. They're not ready to join a program, but they do know they need to get some help and they want to at least start learning about it. And I was imagining that person in a chapters or an indigo or somewhere. And um, a lot of people, a lot of my marketing friends were like, oh, you, you need this like bold title. Like let the whole world know that like you're loud and proud about getting free of porn and whatever. But for me, I was like, well, that looks cool on my end, like to be the bold, flashy kind of guy talking about it. But for the people that are going to read the book, I actually wanted there to be kind of an element of sophistication with the experience. And for me, the last relapse was that perfect kind of middle title where you know what it's talking about, or at least you have an idea when you hear it, but there's not necessarily the layers of shame that come with buying a book by that title. And, and that was my essence. I wanted there to be a, just a, a degree of sophistication for somebody who's getting their hands on the book. With, I, I didn't want it to be another shame-inducing kind of experience. So that was a little bit of the heart behind it. Yeah. Now you have, you've kind of broken the book down into these four sections that you have, and uh, I'll just, I'll just share them here. And I'd love for you to then kind of unpack them a little bit, because um, uh, I think some of the things that you've highlighted in here are, are really necessary for, for guys to hear, because sometimes we have a formulaic view a lot of times, right, towards <laughs> getting free from some kind of compulsive behavior. And I love yeah. the way you've kind of mapped it out in a little bit of a different way. So like the first section, you talk about taking back control of your life. The second mm -hmm. section, you talk about healing from your past. The third section is regaining your confidence. And then the fourth section is becoming a new man. So can you yeah. share with us a little bit, what do you mean by taking back control of your life? So I, I think when porn really wreaks havoc on someone's life, they've lost control. Um, they lost control of their time. They've lost control of their urges, their decisions. Um, maybe they've lost control in their relationships. But I think, I know for me when I was addicted, that was certainly the case. I was, I was just little by little, every day losing a little bit more control of my life. So um, it, it's a bit of a double entendre because I think people hear it and they're like, yeah, I want to I wanna kick porn to the curb. I want to get control of my life back. But the only way you actually do that is by clearly identifying what you can and cannot control in life. That, that's actually the, the basis of it. And with porn addiction, it's so easy to blame. It's easy to blame all oh, the internet and all these, these porn marketers just know how to get to us. And, um, you know, or it's, it's, we blame our sinful nature or whatever. Like, I think there's so many scapegoats, but all of those things are really just um, deflections of responsibility. So taking back control of your life, the essence of it is really identifying the things in your life that you are responsible for and then doing something about it. And, and when you are, as a, as a person, man or woman, when you're able to do that, now you're actually back in the driver's seat. And it doesn't mean that you're, you're healed overnight, 
it does mean that you're regaining control of your life. And that I think is the starting point for every single success story we've ever seen through our program. Now I have a question because I can, as soon as that word control, I think comes out, uh, especially mm. in the, in the world of addiction recovery, people might say, no, wait a second. I've heard that the most fundamental mantra of starting a journey of recovery is to admit my powerlessness over my addiction. First of all, do you agree or disagree with that? And if, if you have some kind of agreement with that, how do you make that jive with what you're talking about, about regaining control of your life? Yeah, there's an interesting juxtaposition there for sure. I, I do agree to an extent with the powerlessness stance in the sense that, um, as I alluded to earlier, there's only certain things that you can actually control in this life. And, um, and the more you delve into it, the more you realize how little you can actually control. And I think that has to be the starting point. It, this control thing is not about being some control freak or some fear monger who just tries to control everything. That's really not the essence at all. And we do use the word control interchangeably with ownership in the book for that reason, because um, that sometimes conveys a little bit of a different tone. But the, the real premise is, yeah, you actually have to acknowledge how little you can control first before you can actually take control of your life again. So there, there's a little bit of an of a interplay between the two concepts. Can you give us maybe a couple of examples of things that, that would be those things that a person can control? Just to help, them un help our listeners understand a little bit of what you're talking about. Because again, especially for somebody who's maybe just drowning in an addiction, it yeah. can very much feel like I have no choices at all. I have no control at all. So can you give a few mm -hmm. examples of some things that it's like, no, you actually do have some choice in these areas? Yeah, this one comes up in our community a lot. Um, statistically, the most common time for viewing porn is between 10 p.m. and midnight. Um, so it happens in the latter hours. And a lot of the guys, when we are you know, doing the accountability checks, are finding a lot of their slips happen at night. So I think it would be easy. Like uh, what well, they will often say is, you know, I'm up late at night and my mind starts racing. I can't fall asleep. So I just grab my phone and like I start scrolling and one thing leads to another and I've slipped. Very common experience. Or, you know, you have some night owls who are just up later than they know they should be. And, you know, one thing leads to another. So in, in those instances, you can't actually control the content that's going to come up in your feed. Um, you can't control even everything in your body. Like sometimes you are awake and there's, there's things that you can influence, obviously, in how you take care of yourself. But that is just a reality. Sometimes your, your mind will be racing. You, you can't control when these urges come up. You can control where your phone charges in the house. That is well within your realm of responsibility. You could buy an alarm clock. I know that sounds like totally old fashioned, but you could wake up to an alarm clock. Imagine that like it's the 1990s and charge your phone in a completely separate room. Well within your realm of control. Really simple example, but just it's trying to identify what are the things where I actually have a direct influence on the outcome of a situation. And the, the amount of guys who have actually just turned down or, or reduced their their frequency of, you know, watching porn and whatever, just from charging their phone outside of their room. It's like, it's almost mm -hmm. hysterical uh, because those little practical things make a difference, but it's not just the practicality. It's what undergirds it, that it's like, I'm identifying a part of my life in this situation that I can actually control and I'm going to take full ownership of it and I'm going to actually do something about it. And that is really empowering to an individual with an addiction. And I love that you gave such a simple example 
because I think yeah. some some sometimes we just think it's so complex, it's so complicated to you know recovery is this multi layered, really complicated, complex thing. And I think some guys discover actually my addiction is what has made my life complicated, <laughs> yeah. not living in freedom. Right. So I love that you gave yeah. a simple example of like you have total control of where your phone charges. And so I think yeah. that's a great example. Now, you mentioned in this first section, you've got a chapter that's all about freedom fundamentals. And and mm -hmm. obviously, I think we hear that word freedom. Um, it's something that somebody that is finally waking up from their addiction desires. Can you give us a simple definition of what you mean by freedom? And then what are the key elements of actually moving into what you're calling freedom? Yeah, my definition is that freedom is the power of choice. And whoever has more options has more freedom. I'll give you another really practical example. Um, this was before I had gotten into this line of work, but really had an interest with it and was having a lot of conversations around the subject with my peers. And I remember one of my friends saying one time, you know, anytime I see a hot girl, I can't help but check her out. That statement is really interesting. I can't help but check her out. What, it, another way that, that he's putting it is I only have one option. Hmm. And, and as long as he only has one option when he views somebody who's attractive, he is in bondage. There's, there's no freedom when you only have one option. Um, so the, the idea of, of sort of growing in freedom is that we give ourselves more choices in the heat of the moment, in a moment of temptation, in those vulnerable times, we, we are creating other neural pathways, we're setting up our life practically, and everything in between, so that in those moments, we don't just have one option, which is to watch porn, or, or to masturbate, or to slip, or whatever it is, but that we're giving ourselves other choices. That's kind of a, a conceptual overview of freedom and what I mean by it. Um, the way somebody works towards that is uh, usually it starts with a lot of self-discovery. And then we also, in that section of the book, we talk about the principle stack, which are kind of five basic principles that I think are part of every good recovery process, really any, any good growth process. And, um, and again, they can find out more in the book or we can go into it if you want, Jonathan. But uh, those are kind of the starting points for people who really want to give themselves more choices in this area. Well, if you wanted to even just name those uh, kind of that principle stack. I think that would be helpful for just giving to people and also maybe wetting their appetite to say, I need to, I want to get the book to learn more about what those are. Cause I thought that was a fascinating, you even have a little graph in there that kind of shows the, the principle stack, but yeah. So, uh, the best way to think of the principle stack is like a, a couple blocks of Lego and similar to when you're building something, uh, with Lego pieces, there's a sequential order here. They're meant to follow one after the other. They literally stack one to the next. So in that order, the bottom uh, piece of Lego, the bottom part of the stack is control, as we discussed. It's identifying what you can control um, and also what you cannot control. The second piece is responsibility. So now that you know what you can control, it's taking responsibility for it. And of course, um, the, the definition of responsibility is in the word. It is that you are able to respond. So it's, it's actually acting on it. Um, the third layer is the freedom bookends, which uh, is really a lot about kind of the motivations and the incentives for getting free. And that specifically is crafting a why statement and building a vision board of what your porn-free life looks like. Layer number four is delayed gratification, a huge one for uh, certainly for somebody who struggles in this area, but learning to delay gratification. And then number five, if you do that well enough, um, then you have a compounding effect over time. And layer five is consistency compounds. It's the idea that 
as you start to do these things on a regular basis, um, the, the snowball effect takes place and, and your results start to manifest. You know, and, and one of the things that has always come to mind uh, in that progression for me, even scripturally, is just Romans 12, 1 and 2, right? Talking mm-hmm. about don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. And there's a process element to that that is based in truth, based in these principles. And I love the fact that as you do that, when you get to that top Lego, so to speak, there is a sense in which even the way that you are doing life and processing and making decisions is different than you did before, right? Would you say that's also an element of freedom is that you are processing life in a new way? Yeah, absolutely. And I think that that's why self-discovery is really like, I think it's at the essence of it. Because when when you start to experience transformation at a really internal level, it, it is just impossible for all areas of your life to be unaffected. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like like you and I can go and download some some tool for how to track our progress through, um, you know, our slips and whatever else. That's a useful tool, but it it it's it's kind of at a surface level. There's there's not an inner transformation taking place. But anything that deals with the identity of an individual. It's going to impact their finances, their relationships, their sense of self, the way they conduct themselves, their psychology, um, everything like that. So, yeah, I, I totally agree. And it, it's the essence of the gospel, isn't it? It's that um, mm-hmm. the gospel transforms us from the inside out. And, you know, as you accept Jesus into your heart, things can't help but start to change. There's a trickle effect. And uh, the, the recovery journey certainly mimics that concept. Yeah, one of my favorite parts in a guy's journey, because it was it happened to me about a year or two into my own recovery, was sort of the aha moment when you realize, oh, this journey is going to change my whole life. <laughs> not just <laughs> yeah. get rid of porn or not just get w- rid of whatever the presenting issue was that got you onto that journey. So that yeah, gets and, us into... Go ahead. Sorry, sorry I, I just wanted to jump on that, but because you're, you're reminding me, like, um, we've had guys who, you know, they get into the program... They do start to experience transformation. And I, I was actually just recording this testimonial the other day with a guy who um, always wanted to start a business. He never wanted to work on his own. But, you know, he's married with four kids and, and, and kind of deep into his job and moving up uh, the ladder a little bit. And um, as he started to get free of porn and kind of experience the transformation, he decided, I'm, I'm doing it. Like he pulled the plug. He quit his job started his company. Um, he also, he and his wife had talked about moving countries and they agreed to like pull the trigger on that. And um, it, yeah, I think just to kind of bring home that that point that yes, as somebody does the work internally, um, things start to change in their lives as well. And we, we see those transitions happen a lot as people go through our program because it's, it's kind of inevitable. So anyways, I just want to add that part. Yeah, no, that's great. And the second section of your book, you talk about healing from your past. Now, I want you to unpack why that's so critical because in my experience, so many guys, when they finally get to a breaking point where they want to do something about a porn addiction or some kind of sexual addiction, um, they're wanting to run as fast as possible away from their history Mm. because they're thinking forward. I want to get free. I want to get, you know, I want to be um, uh, sober or whatever term you want to use for that. Why is it so important, though, that there be an element of dealing with your past? Yeah, I mean, let me just start by saying I totally get it. Um, I was the guy, I, I mean, that's literally what I did every time I watched porn. I cleared my history after. And I think that's emblematic, you know, of, of kind of how we want to handle our, our addiction past. Um, the, the, the slight iteration I make is it's not about clearing your history. It's about changing it. 
And the reality is we are influenced uh, dramatically by our early childhood experiences in positive ways and sometimes in negative ways. And the, the healing process is not meant to uh, make your past anything bigger than it needs to be. One of our rules for this section of the book is we only look at our past long enough to learn. So we don't need to dwell in it. We don't want to wallow in it. But we do want to go back and we do want to identify, were there any parts that actually maybe led us to choosing porn as a viable option to get our needs met, to actually satisfy us to some degree? Because we know porn is toxic. And anytime you have dysfunctional behavior, it is because there was something that caused the dysfunction earlier up the stream. So that's the whole idea. And, and to use myself as an example, like I had a very good upbringing. It was really hard for me, um, even just kind of growing up in Indian culture, you don't, you don't speak poorly about your parents um, or, or leadership in general. Like there's a high regard for authority. So this concept was very difficult for me. I was really resistant to it. Um, I, I probably had to hear it 300 times before it kind of got through and I realized I actually needed it. And it wasn't that in going there, I suddenly discovered, oh my gosh, my parents just traumatized me and did all these things, like terrible things. And I had such awful parents. It was just a few small things. And I talk about in the book how, you know, my mom, the way she showed love was not really the way that I received it. So I often had this perception of neglect or this feeling of neglect from my mom, very subtle, kind of underlying, but I realized that, uh, of course, if you feel neglected by your maternal figure, you will find other ways to get needs met from a woman. And so for me, that was chasing girls and pornography and everything else. And so, uh, anyways, just an example of how uh, small things from your past can can have big impacts downstream. And learning to heal from your past is a really critical part, not necessarily for that instant, quick, quick hit of freedom. But for long-term success, that, that is probably one of the most critical parts of the recovery journey. Are there any indicators that would help someone uh, know that maybe they have resolved or, or healed from things in their past? Because I think sometimes I've, know, I've known some people on this journey that it, it's almost like it becomes a hobby to tinker with their past, so much so that like... <laughs> they've gotten stuck in their past. Are there any indicators yeah. that realize, hey, you know what? Things have been resolved. Uh, the, the wound has been healed. And what have you seen in your ex personal experience or also working with other guys that indicates you're free to move forward from that now? Yeah, it's hard to qualify for sure because we're talking about the human heart, which is a very, like you can't just slap a formula or a metric on it. Um, but it, it is very much an intuitive thing. And, and what I would say the best way I can think of articulating it is a change in response. So when I identified that pain point with my mom, I processed it and I forgave her. I felt a shift in my own heart uh, towards my mother and I, I felt a deeper desire to connect with her. And I wouldn't call the change dramatic, but it was at least an identifiable change. And that is often a good indicator that healing is taking place or that healing has taken place. We start to respond different, differently. The more dramatic outcome of that event was that when I started to have temptations to watch pornography, I, I felt a lot more present in the moment and in, and in control. My, my alarm bells weren't going off when I would feel tempted. And that was that was like a very tangible change in response that was also the byproduct of you know healing from the past so i think that change in response is probably one of the best indicators 
and even just monitoring how do you how do you feel when the person's name come up comes up or when you think about that memory um, or, or do you still feel the same way or or has something changed and it is important to note that um, we, we tend to view this in binary terms like either I'm healed from it and I don't it doesn't bother me anymore and I have nothing but love towards the person or it's like oh I'm still bitter and jaded and cynical but healing really is a, a process and it does take time so it's that's why you try to identify the change in responses even small improvements are indicative that healing is taking place yeah, I think one of the things that has helped me on that is to think of it more uh, along a spectrum than necessarily an either or and uh, yes, for exactly. me spectrums always help if there's if there's uh, shades of color involved so it's yeah. kind of like I mean how many how many millions of permutations of color can there be even within let's say like blue so if, yeah i've often thought of that it's like well where am i in the shade of the spectrum of healing yes and i think there's there there can be significant markers where it's like yes you've crossed a threshold and there is a sense of wow there's real healing there there may be a scar but boy i'm able to move forward and so i like the way you put that the third section mm -hmm. of the book you talk about regaining confidence uh, can you describe what that means and what you're really trying to address in that section of the book? Yeah, one of the questions I ask people when they want to join our program is I, I ask them, okay, um, just dream with me for a minute. You know, you're free of porn and let's say we're six months, 12 months, 18 months down the road. You've got porn out of your life. What what changes for you? You know, what 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 looks different for you? And it's always starting the business I always wanted to start. Uh, more productive at work. I'm able to kind of reach that position, that dream job. Um, it's being more present at home, having a healthy marriage. There's there's all these kinds of things. And when I when you kind of poke and prod, why haven't why are these things not attainable for you right now? It's always the disqualification of self. It's well, I have this problem with porn, so I don't feel like I can pursue that kind of thing, or that I deserve this kind of thing, or that I'm capable of it. So regaining your confidence is the part of the recovery process where you are actually starting to realize what you're capable of, you're identifying your true worth, and you can legitimately start to dream about these things becoming a reality. Um, maybe not, not right away, but it certainly feels within reach. And, and that's the whole premise of that section of the book. Can you talk about how this process of recovery and regaining confidence and kind of getting into that particular maybe stage of the journey is actually having uh, uh, biological impacts that are helping with this shift. And what I mean is primarily the, the brain chemistry that can be sort of realigned, the, the, the beauty of the malleability, the, the elasticity of the brain, and how in, the same, in, in a similar way that the, the biology is is a is detrimentally affecting a person as they keep going towards an addiction it can actually be positively affecting as you continue pursuing recovery can you speak a little bit about that yeah it's an excellent question um i think one of the greatest discoveries of modern science was the neuroplasticity of the brain it's just brought so much hope um and it, it's it's the reason why somebody who can be addicted for you know four decades one of our recent clients addicted for four decades and he's, he's starting to experience change, you know, change in his brain, change in his behaviors, change in his habits. Um, when, when the brain is in a bad state, so uh, Gary, Gary Wilson did a, a study on this. His, he released his famous book, uh, Your Brain on Porn. And he showed that a lot of the, the brain matter for creative thinking, 
um, for uh, life satisfaction, all those kinds of things significantly reduced for the brain that was addicted to porn. So we know that there's a notable impact when somebody has this addiction. Uh, we're hearing now stories of like uh, the erectile dysfunction rates are skyrocketing among men because of porn consumption. You know, porn is just conditioning their brain in a really toxic way so that actual like real sex with another person does not compare, you know, it doesn't match up and their body's responding accordingly. The, the real key for rewiring the brain, which we talk about in the book, is to really pay attention to circuits when they are active. And one of the dangers of our society today, it's the blessing and the curse of the information age, is we know too much. And because we know too much, sometimes we, we convince ourselves that just listening to a podcast or, or going to a seminar is going to magically change our lives. When in reality, it, it is just the inception of that change. It, it is, it's the knowledge, it's the piece you need but it's the actual execution that really matters. And the hardest times to execute it are when it is the most critical and the most necessary. So, you know, let's say the guy um, listens to this podcast or a girl listens to the podcast. She thinks, yeah, I'm going to buy an alarm clock and I'm going to charge my phone outside of the room. Duh, that's like, that's so easy and so practical. But then of course, 11 o'clock at night comes around. She's in bed, she's lying awake and the alarm clock's over there. She knows her phone's in the other room. And she can feel the tempt, like the thought, like, well, I could just go check my phone. I'll just do it for a few minutes. That circuit is now active. And this is the best time to apply all of the knowledge that you've been using. In, in, in other words, the, the knowledge you acquired is arming the gun. But you can't actually fire it until the target presents itself. And that target is the active neural circuit. So those are the moments where it matters the most. And when you can learn to actually execute the knowledge that you've taken in, in the moments of temptation, it, when, when you catch yourself going into your old patterns, that is the most impactful for the rewiring of the brain. Of course, the other component then is creating new avenues and it's giving yourself new options and, and new um, outlets in those moments of temptation. Um, but all of them work together to kind of rewire your brain and eventually lead to those physiological changes in recovery. That's really good. Now, the last section of the book is you talk about becoming a new man. Um, yeah. That sounds so hopeful. Can can you tell <laughs> us where you're trying to ultimately direct uh, guys through this book, and what does it mean to become a new man? Yeah, that language is really inspired by Colossians three, uh, where it talks about how we are to put off the things of the old man. You know, malice and lying and sexual sins listed in there, and we are to put on the new man. And um, I love I love the little follow up. It's it's the new man who is renewed according to the image of him who created him. It's a fascinating line when you think about it. And the idea is that we step into our new creation, the people that God made us to be, as we start to discover who God is. One of my mentors said that how you see God determines who you become. And so the whole premise of becoming a new man is really experiencing God's unconditional love for you. It's seeing God as a, as a perfect and loving father. And then in that process, as, a, as sort of a byproduct, understanding the value and the intrinsic worth that you carry. And as we talked about earlier, it is the essence of the gospel, of course, is that as you kind of meet Jesus that way and really allow it to impact your heart, you can't help but become different. You can't help but be changed. And I, I legitimately feel like when I look at my clients, when they've gone through our system, that I'm looking at a different person. Because mm -hmm. they they have a, a, their countenance is different, the the tension is out of is out of their face. You know they they have a more ease about them, 
And when you start talking about sexuality and pornography and everything, their, their shoulders stay relaxed. You know, they, they're literally new people uh, to the point that even physically you can kind of see the changes in them. And that, that is the whole premise of sort of becoming that new person that God has made you to be. Well, uh, I'm sold. I mean, hey, I want to be, <laughs> I, I want to be on that journey, and and I love it. Uh, and I think that you've written something here that um, I, I would actually say for for any man who wants to go on a journey of transformation doesn't have to necessarily say, you know what, I meet all the qualifications of a porn addict in order to get this right. this book. I think this could be a helpful thing for for any guy who's saying, you know what, I want to go on a transformation journey. Where can, um, where can folks get the book and learn more about uh, your coaching and some of the resources that you offer? Yeah, so the book is called The Last Relapse. It's available on all major platforms. What I would love your audience to do, Jonathan, is to go to ultimaterecoveryguide.com. That's actually my free ebook, and it's a great starting point. Um, you, can, you can click around and find out more information about our coaching programs and everything there. Um, but yeah, ultimaterecoveryguide.com. That is the website to get started. Um, and if you want the book, it's available on Amazon, iBooks, Barnes & Noble, all, all that, uh, all the major platforms there. Awesome. Well, Sathya, this has been a great conversation, and I think it's uh, just it's already benefiting many men out there, um, and I think even enlightening many women to understand kind of the process that, that men go through in this journey. But we appreciate yeah. you and what you're doing, and uh, thank you so much for being on the program today. Well, thanks for having me, Jonathan. And, and like I said, you're you're one of the um, one of the pioneers, in the, especially in the digital space of recovery. So I uh, deeply respect what you're doing. You gave me a great interview for my podcast, and um, and it's just a pleasure to be in this space with you, man. So thanks for having me. Yeah. Well, listeners, we're going to put all those uh, links and resources in the show notes. But um, we're glad that you've been with us. We uh, want to walk alongside you. So if if you uh, need more help in your own personal journey of transformation, please reach out to us. And we look forward to seeing you back here again on the next uh, broadcast. Take care. Pure Sex Radio is paid for by Be Broken Ministries. Visit us online at puresexradio.com.